like sports? Do you like beer? Do you love sports and beer? Then you're exactly where you need to be. This is the Hughes Views and Brews Show on 1252 Sports Chicago. Cheers. Hello and welcome on in to the Hughes Views and Brew Show. We are live from the Whistle Sports Bar and Grill 159 Studios in beautiful downtown Lockport crowd all over the place with the car show going on and a band over in the park over here. All kinds of great things happening in downtown Lockport. Come on down when you get a chance. Monday nights are a lot of fun and you can always watch me later. You can always watch me on YouTube or Twitch or whatever or check us out on Spotify. You can do all those things. And uh, we're here at 1252 Sports. You catch me on Mondays, uh, Fat Mike on Wednesdays, Harry, who's been red hot, and you catch him on uh, Fridays, and Jacob Charnow with his uh, his football show. This kid knows football. He had to record the show last week because he's going to school. Come on. He's going to college. Kids leaving high school and going to college, he knows more about football than most people I know. So um, cannot wait to listen to all the shows as we get closer to football. Today was the start of training camps for a lot of the NFL teams. The Bears start tomorrow, and in a couple minutes, we hope to be joined by my guy, Jeff Joniak, Bears broadcaster, talk a little bit about the Bears and what's coming up this season for the Bears. A lot of Bears stuff in the news today with the uh, Lori Lightfoot, I guess Mayor Lori Lightfoot, talking about putting a dome over Soldier Field, possibly a dome, uh, maybe an open-air thing where the, the field is covered, but that would actually preclude them from getting any NCAA games. Um, it doesn't appear the Bears are going to stay. They're, they're, they've got their hearts set on moving to Arlington Heights. So a lot of talk about that today. And also Roquan Smith apparently holding out will not be at the first uh, training session tomorrow up in Lake Forest. So we'll get into all that kind of stuff. And it is huge views and brews in uh, the second half of the show. We got the guys from Funky Town. I'm not sure if there's going to be one of them, two of them, or three of them. But they put together Funky Town Brewing, and um, I always start the show with a beer. And I'm going to start. They've, I got two of their beers here because I figured one for the first half hour, one for the second half hour, right? This one is called Hip Hops and Iron Brew. See, Hops Brew, Hip Hops, Iron Brew. And um, it looks like, even though it's probably not, it's probably pictures of them. It looks like uh, Jimi Hendrix, but, you know, one of the guys from – Funky Town would probably be happy to say that he looks like Jimi Hendrix, uh, you know, back then, not necessarily now. Um, but, yeah, I've had this before because I was at Orange and Brew and had a chance to try their beer. This one, um, Citra and Mosaic Hops, it is a 5.5 American Pale Ale. And for those who are just learning, uh, the Pale Ales are just below the IPAs. When it comes to hoppiness, You've got pale ale, then you have high PA, and you go from there. So this is a 5.5. Very, very tasty. Nice head on it as you poured it. And uh, I've had this for a couple weeks because I knew the guys were going to be coming on. They're great guys. Oh, really good. They had three of them um, at uh, Orange and Brew. They had this one. They also had the Summertime Chai, and they had the uh, Gym Shoe Weather, which I'll try when we get them on. 
in just a little bit. There's a, Usually I come on the show and we start talking about White Sox, okay? We talk White Sox, we talk a little bit of Cubs, and we talk, we have not talked any Chicago Fire soccer because the Chicago Fire have absolutely sucked until the last three games. The Chicago Fire beat Seattle, which is on top of the Western Conference two weeks ago at Soldier Field. And this week they went out to Vancouver and got a 3-1 victory over the Vancouver Whitecaps. The Fire have won three games in a row. They're now two points out of a playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. And they still have a lot of games to go. They've played 22. I think each team plays 34 games. So they've got 12 games to go. They're playing great soccer. Um, they got Atlanta coming in this week at Soldier Field. And uh, head on out there. It's a fun time. The fans get into it. Um, the fire is playing really, really well. They got a kid from Streamwood that, or Schomburg, I'm sorry, right there. Schomburg, uh, Streamwood. He's right there, um, Chris Mueller. And uh, he was playing with Orlando. And the fire got him middle of the season this year. He's been playing tremendous soccer for the fire. Um, she hosts the uh, guy they got from Cologne. Uh, he has had header goals in the last three games. And Shakiri with a beautiful goal to start the scoring for the fire the other day. So that was fun to watch. And um, it's weird because I have YouTube TV. The one channel YouTube TV doesn't give you is WGN Channel 9. I don't know why. I don't understand it. Um, but I did watch all of the uh, goals on highlights. Checked it on out. MLS does a great job on YouTube with all their goals and things like that. So that's wonderful. So the fire with a game against Atlanta going for four in a row this week at Soldier Field. The White Sox are the most frustrating damn team I've ever followed in my life. When they played four games in Cleveland, they lost the first two and then came back and won the next two. After the All-Star break, the White Sox had four with Cleveland, a Friday night game, Saturday afternoon, part of a day-night doubleheader, and then Saturday night and Sunday. And what they do again? They lost the first two again. When you're at home, you need to win these games. Right now, I think the White Sox are, let me see, four and, or there'll be five, and I think it's five and 11 against the uh, Cleveland Indians. I think they have three games left. And they've been playing miserable. Um, it's just not good. Actually, six games. So I think they're five and nine. But um, they've got to play better. And they're not doing things well on the bases. They're not doing a lot of things well. And I saw a stat earlier today. It was talking about guys since the start of the season that have changed their approach at the plate. And you know, if you're a Sox fan, nobody on the White Sox changes their approach at the plate. That never seems to happen. So let me get to it really quickly because I know I've got it here. Um, one of the last things I tweeted earlier today, it talked about guys that have made adjustments since early in the season up until now. Um, here it is. The biggest from Eno Saris. And Eno Saris is a great, great football player. I'm sorry, baseball uh, writer, a great follow on Twitter. It's at Eno, E-N-O, Saris, S-A-R-R-I-S. The biggest improvers in chase rate over the last 30 games compared to April. Giancarlo Stanton is one, then Paul Goldschmidt, Kiner Falepa, DJ LeMahieu, Bobby Witt, Cesar Hernandez, Cattell Marte, Gleyber Torres, Bo Bichette, and Randy Arozarena. Okay, these are guys the biggest improvement. Have you noticed no no White Sox on that list anywhere? Absolutely no White Sox on that list because they don't do anything. They just keep with the same stuff. They keep with the same darn things. They never change. And because of that, 
it's been very, very difficult following them throughout the course of uh, the season. We'll talk a little more White Sox if we get a chance before the, the season or the show comes to an end. Don't forget, we've got uh, the guys from Funky Town Brewing coming up around 735. But now we're going to talk to my guy. Now, I met this guy. The guy at Sports Phone hired this guy when I was on vacation. Not that I wouldn't have hired him, but it would have been nice to have him sit through a rigorous uh, a rigorous interview process. Um, you know him as the announcer for the Chicago Bears. He's my guy, my buddy, Jeff Joniak. Jeff, what's going on tonight? You doing, Fred? Long time, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't it, know that. I didn't know you were on vacation when that happened. Yeah. Huh. Madsen hired might have been you. A different, might have been a different been. outcome. Yeah, it could have been. Um, the first question I want to ask you has nothing to do with a, a dome over Soldier Field because you, you don't care. Wherever the press box is, yeah, you're going to call a game. You don't care what the helmets look like because right. you're going to call the guys, as long as you can identify the guys. Some of these new uniforms sometimes I would think it takes it difficult identifying some of the players out there. But the question I want to ask you is, did you reach your dream job or did you far exceed it? Huh. I guess I would leave it up to everybody else to decide if I far exceeded it. But yeah, I mean, I'm still pinching myself all these years later. And, and you know, for those listening or watching, Fred has the perspective that I did when we were all at sports phone together. We used to fight over game coverages. Like yep. Fred would put out a schedule. And if you got to go, I remember the first one I covered was DePaul against Eastern Washington when DePaul was really good back when I started in 1980, December of 84. So whenever that was, two game coverages a month, not only was it a couple of bucks in your pocket, but, you know, you got to get out and cover games, and that's what we all love to do. But for me or Dave Wills, um, Brian Wheeler from his NBA, to, to be able to call professional sport and do it for a long time uh, and do it for the Bears in our city, yeah, you, you can't get that smile off my face. That's for Don, uh, Don sure. One of the questions, and I'm sure people have asked you this, um, because you do a lot of other things. You I'm sure you probably talk to a bunch of groups and things like that. I always see you wearing a tie doing a speech somewhere. And um, how long do you want to do this? Now, I know what the answer is probably going to be, but go ahead. Let me hear what this is. Yeah, yeah I, I have no end game on that. I love Sundays or Thursdays, as it may be, or Mondays. Um, you know, I look at the Philadelphia Eagles uh, announcer, uh, you know, he's been doing, he's in his 80s. He just got signed. Sure. You know, as long as the eyes work and your brain's processing, because as we know from here to here is a very short distance, but a lot could go wrong. Yeah, I have no plans to uh, give it up, and I hope uh, I hope they keep me for a long time. I love doing the games. Uh, the day-to-day -day part, you know, that's something that we've done in our lives for uh, many decades. Um, I could see myself moving away from that down the road, but I, I love the adrenaline rush of play-by-play. -play. So I want to do it a really long time. Well, you mentioned the day-to-day -day part. And for people that know you, it's really important that I got you on today. Because with yeah, training camp starting that. tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> Once training camp starts, you are like unreachable. I mean, you you could probably get a message, but you're not get, they're not getting a response until the season comes to an end. Because of all the people I know, you throw yourself into this coverage. You know every little thing about every guy in this team. And that's why it was important to get you out before training camp started because I'm looking here. There are only 27 guys left from yeah. the 63 that were on the season on the team at the end of last year. 
So you got a lot of learning to do, but uh, I'm sure you started at OTAs and everything else, but it's not simple learning all these new guys. No, no, it's not. And, you know, uh, because of COVID, we didn't get to meet a lot of these guys face to face. So there's a whole bunch of introductions that have to go on. And as a play-by-play guy, you know, you could do it many different ways. You, some guys, I'm sure, don't even go in the locker room or, or meet with guys, or maybe they don't work in this way. Maybe they have other things going on, other assignments, uh, other play-by-play duties. But I choose, I've done it one way, and I've done it my way, and I overdo it. You know, I, you guys, you know, Fred knows me a long time. Um, it's just the way I have to do it. And if I don't do it any other way, then I'll, I won't feel comfortable, you know, taking that mic to do it on Sundays. So I just, it, it's allowed me to understand the game in a unique way that I never thought I would. And I pick people's brains all the time. I have so many friends in the league now that I trust and they trust me. And it's just about expanding the knowledge and uh, understanding how things are supposed to work and why things don't work when, when you think they should. So and the relationships have been unbelievable. I think getting to know the players helps significantly on game day. So the last couple of years has felt different because we haven't really had that opportunity. It's not like we haven't done interviews. We've done features and I've done TV features uh, in some cases doing it from my house and they're in their house. You know, it's not right. the same when you're not in the same room. And so I'll be I'll be looking forward to having open locker rooms again and just, you know, being able to meet guys in a, in a different kind of way. It would be it would be wrong, I guess, to say that there's anybody more important to the success of this team than um, than Fields, wouldn't it be? Well, development of of him for sure. I still, you know, there's still we got we got to find out, right? Mm-hmm. So um, you can't just uh, surmise what he is or what he's going to be, good or otherwise, from a ten game slate. So uh, I just I just think starting out fresh. You know, the, the old cliche of a clean slate really applies to him. Brand new offense, something that we all believe will suit his his traits and his skill set in a very positive way. And we see all, it all there. Now it's just got to all come together. And, you know, it's going to be a lot of pressure on him, no question, to yeah. help all, you know, rise all boats. But I, I think he embraces that. I don't think he's somebody that's going to run away from that by any means. I don't think he's going to be um, – fearful of it some guys you know you've come across in your time at that position it's it's too much for them it is a little bit uh too much but i think with him and it's a young team with a young quarterback and a brand new coaching staff in some cases a young coaching staff both in age and experience at this level um with a brand new leadership uh group in the front office it's uh it's the right time for justin fields to, to hit the ground running and really start to become who we think he's going to become. I'm sure when people recognize you wherever you may be out and about in the offseason and things like that, you'll get comments like, hey, when are they going to fix the offensive line? When are they going to get another receiver? When is Justin Fields going to be the guy? Whatever. But in my mind, when Ryan Poles came in here, a guy that played offensive line at Boston College, they're not done. I mean, just today, they bring in Michael Schofield, a guy from, uh, from the Los Angeles Chargers, who actually is from Orland Park, went to Sandberg High School, and um, he's a guy that could slide right in at the at the right guard position. I kind of like Tevin Jenkins, but it seems like Tevin Jenkins is going to have to work his tail off to get in the lineup in the starting five out there. Everybody's going to have to work because 
nothing's going to be handed to anybody on this team. Uh, Fields is the starting quarterback. Uh, there's a couple of guys that are, you know, they're going to be starters, but everything else is up for grabs. So, I, you know, Ryan is big on competition. Most GMs and head coaches are, but I think he's really going to put some teeth into this because this is going to be a roster that's changing significantly over the, even the course of training camp. And uh, I've seen it happen before. I always use the example of Seattle and John Schneider, the GM there, when Pete Carroll, I mean, they, they turned that thing over, you know, throughout every week of the season. And mm-hmm. I believe that's going to be the case. So the addition of as many offensive linemen as you could possibly handle on your roster, find out what you got, find the best five, get the chemistry going and let's go. So Schofield is a, is a nice pickup. He's got 82 career starts. He did a great job last year in pass protection. Uh, and that experience uh, certainly is going to come into handy, you know, for this team right now, because it, it may, it, it may, it may prompt somebody else to play harder and better at that position uh, when they see these guys coming in. So I'm excited to see what it's all going to look like starting tomorrow. This sounds like a silly question. When I wrote it down, I go, that doesn't make any sense. But the more I thought about it, which are you more confident in starting the season, the offense or the defense? Because I'm looking here, the defense has five new guys, and Lord knows who happens with Roquan now after we find out he, he probably won't be there this week, and we'll see if something happens. But which are you more confident in? They got a lot of veteran guys that they brought in at linebacker positions and things like that um, for the defense, but it's a different defense. It's not what we saw before. That's a great question. I never thought about it that way. I would say because offenses take some time, especially with a new, it's going to be a first-time play caller. You right. know, what will that look like? I do have trust in Luke Getze. I like his demeanor. I like his toughness mentally uh, from the I've researched about him and the interactions I've had with him. Um, Justin, certainly those 10 games are going to make a difference. You're not, you're not going raw into any stadium anymore. You're going to feel more comfortable in the system. But defense, you know, take, for example, Demetrius Robinson. Mm-hmm. He is raw as they come. But the gifts he has, those guys just stick your hand on the ground and go get the quarterback. That that's something that can can be done. Uh, guys firing off the ball, effort, effort. You don't that you don't have to be great to have effort. So, but if you have effort and you're going to have to have effort to be on the field because Matt Eberflus is not going to he's not not going to put up with any slacking going on. He just is not going to do it, and he never has. And I believe that that will allow the defense to immediately play faster. Let's presume better, get more hands on the ball, more good things happen when the hands get on the ball, tip passes, whatever the case may be, forcing that ball out. Uh, I, I'm going to go with defense on this one, Fred. The um, Obviously, you loved calling uh, you, you loved calling all the touchdowns for the guy behind me here, uh, Devin Hester, as he would continue to run. He was ridiculous. But – I think some of your better calls have always been on turnovers because first of all, you got Thayer yelling like crazy right next to you. (laughs) And then you got to describe what's going on and you're damned excited, but you look at it and takeaways, Eberflus' team in in his last four seasons, his teams were in the top 10 in takeaways. That's got to be for any Bears fan. That's got to be exciting. If they can, if it can bring that here, because you know, if your defense can't stop guys, you got to take the ball away. And the Bears haven't done that for several years now. Right. I mean, I mean, you'd love to be what Dallas did last year. That 38 takeaways mm-hmm. led the NFL, six touchdowns. Uh, 
that that's what Lovey Smith brought here. That's that kind of was the tradition then. It was kind of established. And I know Matt is really intrigued by what Lovey has done in his career. Obviously, he's very good friends of Rod Marinelli, who was Lovey's roommate when he started in the NFL with Tampa Bay. So there's a lot of crossover here. The same kind of philosophies about taking the ball away and ball out. Uh, he admires the work of Charles Tillman. He admires the work of of that defense with. Uh, you know, even later in 2010, 2011, 2012, with what guys like Julius Peppers with Erlacher and Briggs brought to the table. So sure. there's, there's a lot of crossover interest here. And they've it, it is the system. It's just been manipulated, and he's going to put their own wrinkle on it. So Alan Williams, the defensive coordinator, he's going to be the man, you know, taking care of business on that side of the ball. So, yeah, I mean – we loved my, my first year. Heck, it, it was not even lovey, but, you know, the Mike Brown, the, the two pick sixes against the Niners uh, and Cleveland back to back weeks to, to win those games. It set the course for a playoff team in 01. And then it just was unbelievable what happened with with everything from Nate Vasher to uh, to Erlacher to Briggs, uh, you know, to uh, obviously uh, the work done on, on the defensive line. Some great stuff done by those teams to take the ball away. Hello. You there? Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah technical difficulties. They rarely right. happen with you guys. Yeah, they rarely yeah. happen with you guys in the booth. And uh, that's one of the best things about the football season coming up, being able to adjust the TV and listen to you guys on the broadcasts um, because my Oh, we got one here. So, but my Alexa has a good tendency of uh, playing you guys, so I'm able to listen to the broadcast. That makes it a lot of fun and very, very nice. Um, I'm going to ask you a, a X's and O's question that you may understand because I'm not even sure I, I know. I know when you bring a nickel back in from most of the downs in the NFL nowadays because everyone's throwing the ball, and it's got listed as a nickel back, the guy the Bears finally gave a chance to at the end of the season in time scram and he just did nothing but excel when he was out there all the time but is the nickelback position different from a four three to a three four no it's or just what you three four to a four it, it just it just what you choose to choose to do and matt eberflus uh in indianapolis had the nickel on the field a ton uh obviously had a, one of the better uh -huh. ones in kenny moore so that's an undrafted player that he he found and uh, they found him put a lot of trust in to me it's one of the most underrated positions in football because, and I've talked to, to many of them over the years and even doing work with, you know, with the combine over the years, always looking to, at, at backs who played in, in the slot in college. You got to know what the other 10 guys are doing at all times. And you sure. got to be able to have the toughness to deal with a bigger tight end. Now they're putting big slots into the, into those positions to try to outmuscle the little guy. So you just got to be nasty. You got to be smart and you got to know your leverage at all times. And I know that Matt did that a ton with Indianapolis. I would assume it'd be the same here uh, because it's, it's just that way the league is. is and so in, th in this case, you know, it's not just the pass. Obviously you, you better be a heck of a tackler. You could better be a heck right. of a right. tackler playing that nickel spot. So I think that's going to be one of the best competitions at camp actually. You look at the uh, two guys in the offense, other than Fields, in is it Cole Komet and also uh, Darnell Mooney? Are those the two guys that everyone's expecting to take the next step? 
Absolutely. It's big years for both, you know, the, the year three takeoff. And I have every ounce of respect for the work that Darnell Mooney does from the time he got here. Um, if you've read Dan Pompey's story in The Athletic mm-hmm. or watched a feature that I did with him last year about what he's all about, he, he works nonstop. There's, there's no downtime. He wants to be great as a fifth round pick. You know, uh, I'm not saying he's Stefan Diggs by any means, but you know, there's another fifth round pick that, that made himself into, to a, a great player. And sure. I'm not going to, I'm putting no limits, no guardrails on, on a guy like Darnell Mooney. He's added some strength. He's bigger. Uh, he's smarter and he's going to be a trusted, trusted guy for, for Justin. And then the tight end position. I, I love tight ends. I've always loved tight ends. I think they're, an important part uh, of having a successful offense. And, and this one, you know, you look at Robert Tunyon in Green Bay, what he did a couple years ago sure. with 11 touchdowns. I mean, even if Cole Komet gets half of that, just get more red zone opportunities. I think he had 12 uh, attempts in his, his uh, targets in the red zone last year. Um, that's not enough. There needs to be more. And uh, he's got the leaping ability and the size to become a really good red zone weapon for the Bears. So, and the, the whole tight end position overall, I think what they've added in the veterans is, is a big boost as well. And I do believe we're going to, you know, the Bears are going to run the ball and that's going to help Justin. And so will tight ends and, and the backs coming out of the backfield and, and guys like Mooney. How strange is it for you to call it offense that actually has a fullback? We mean a little bit more than it's had in the past. Yeah. You know, I love when J Mac did it and I, yeah. I, I I'm hearing a lot of great things about blasting game. And so, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a traditionalist. I like the old, I like the old football, you know, give me a fullback, get as bloody and nasty as you possibly can. I think I've always said this, your team should represent and reflect the, the, the kind of city that you are playing in. In this case, you know, I know everyone loves the ball in the air and it's the air show that has mm-hmm. taken over the national football league with a lot of these young quarterbacks, but you know, the dynamic, aspects of mobile quarterbacks that also have come into the league who can still sling it like Justin can, but also uh, excites you with a run game that can bloody the nose of your opponent. I, I want teams, if you're not, if we're not going to beat you, at least I want you to feel what we did to you. And so, you know, you let people know that this is, this is the bad, the badass bears once again. And, and I would love for that to become what this team uh, can be. When the schedule comes out, um, everybody goes down the schedule, win, loss, win, loss, win, win, loss, win. Now you probably do it, but you probably don't let anybody know what your, what your decisions is. Is Fred, do you, you know do me one? so well. Yeah. Do you no, do one? Never. <laughs> okay. I, do I don't. Okay. <laughs> and here's why I think it's a fruitless journey. Sure. Um, it is. Especially when you do it right. At, you know, and I, Hey, listen, I know if, I get excited when the schedule is released. Yeah. yeah, I do. And I know every fan and media person out there do as well. And yeah, you can, you can start gazing into that, but you know, I don't even talk about, you know, I get asked every day, what, Hey, how many wins? How many wins? Right. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it when camp starts. We start doing speaking engagements with sponsors and, and whatnot. And I never, ever, ever give it because it's a drama. It's the best drama in sports. And whatever happens over the six days before kickoff on the seventh day, who's healthy, whose mind's right, what, what is missing from the other team, the late scratch that's going to make a difference, um, it's, it's too hard to call. So I, I 
I just don't do it. I never have. I'm just hoping for the best every week. Uh, two more questions really quick. How how difficult was it doing road games when you were doing them from here oh, and not going on the road to do them? And you guys, you guys did last year, right? You went on the road at the end or no? Yeah. No, we went okay. the whole season. Okay. It was, okay. It was quite, it was quite the uh, stress test though, you know, making sure you get there because of, of what's going on with our airlines and, and, uh, sure. and everything like that. We we were not able to fly with the team the last two years. But yeah, the, 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 home, the home games we did, but the road games in 2020, we did not do uh, live. We went, we did do Detroit, the opener. We drove, but right. that was it. But it was, uh, I think it made everybody a better broadcaster. So Odyssey and WBBM did a great job helping us out. And frankly, the league helped a lot of, lot of play, uh, teams out. And, you know, you're doing it off a big screen TV. We had, right. we had two big, we had massive big screen TVs and then satellite TVs as well. So we were looking at multiple feeds, but the raw feed, the real time feed, you after a while, you felt like you were there because okay. Paul Zerang, my engineer, had recorded on a loop the Seattle Seahawks broad, uh, Seahawks fan base when we played them years ago. And it's the loudest place that, I've ever called a game in the NFL and it, it remains that way. And so he had that pumped in on a, on a loop in my ear. So I honestly felt like I was there, but every time a play would be run, the local that, that team's video football operations, they would quickly do a time code to the scoreboard. So sure. you're not seeing, you know, what's happening after the play. So, you know, time we missed stuff. It was hard on Tom as an analyst. And I do remember we played the Rams and it was a throw to the end zone. And I, I could swear that it was broken up by, by rap, the safety of the Rams. And uh, we're talking like, okay, you know, next day. And here I go, Tom, why do the Rams have the ball? Yeah. I, what did we miss? But you had to, you get, you had to be honest that way. Sure. Because, you know, we were just trying to figure everything out. Uh, here was an interception and the Rams took over, but I don't want that to ever happen again. The, it was weird calling games with no fans. I hated it. It was weird. Um, and it was a necessity, obviously. But, you know, there's nothing like a, a stadium on full blast. And it just gets me excited to yeah. call games. Now, a lot of people may not know this, but um, you grew up a Browns fan. And you, there's probably still some Browns in you. Um <laughs> How can anybody no. be a Browns fan this year when they have nobody, no idea what's going on? No, I did. There's no Browns spend, left in you. No, they moved to Baltimore. Um, but okay. I did. I did grow up in Cleveland and and uh, moved here for high school, and I've been here ever since. And um, I could I couldn't work for a better organization and how they've treated me and my family and uh, the people I've met over 26 years working with the Bears. So, yeah, I'm a bear, navy blue and orange, and uh, it's going to remain that way until I croak. It's been an unbelievable experience. So in five or six years, will the drive be closer to Arlington Heights or further away than downtown? <laughs> you know, that's a great question. I mean, there's so much to still be researched from what I understand yeah. and uh, figured out. So, I mean, we'll know more at the end of the year. Um I just leave it at that. I don't no, know. I, I knew you would. That's yeah. I, but I, I just, I mean, you, you just didn't have to drive to the games. But you know, I know for me, when the Chicago Fire right. moved from, no, I, I, I think it's a great. I, I think it's a 
I think it's a great opportunity. Sure. You know, that Arlington Heights, it's a great opportunity for a franchise. And I, I, I know it's like a, it's a bigger acreage than what the L.A. Rams put together in, um, at SoFi. And that stadium, yeah. going to that game last year, that, that was something. That is some kind of place. Yeah. Um, well, it looks like so, it. It certainly looks like it. Well, you know, hopefully I'll get a chance to talk to the season's over now. Yeah, I know you go in, you go into hiding and you go into the cone of silence now, other than you know, sponsors and all the other stuff. <laughs> yep. So but, hey, we'll, it's good, yeah, we'll good be, to see you. Good yeah. to see a smile on your face. And uh, I know you love the oh, yeah. sport more than anything. So I know you'll be excited to get uh, NFL Sundays cranking up again. Yeah, there's no doubt. Jeff, appreciate it. Uh, enjoy training camp. Cannot wait for the first game you got. You and Tommy call. Always listen to it and uh, cannot wait. Have a good season. Appreciate it, Fred. Good to talk to you. Thanks for having you me too. on. You too. Jeff Joniak, Bears announcer for quite some time. And as he said, he'd love to be there until they tell him he can't be there anymore. And uh, I love listening to him and Thayer. And um, I love when Thayer, Thayer will always yell, if you're watching a play, and there's a loose ball. He sees it. I don't know how he sees it, but he can always see it. He always knows who on the line made a mistake, and he points it out. And that's one of the things you'll love about a color commentator, kind of what you get sometimes with Steve Stone, kind of what you get from uh, from uh, Ozzie Gian from the studio and things like that. You want your guys to be honest. Stacey King, same way. When Zach Levine's playing like crap, Stacey King will let you know. We come back. We're going to talk to the guys from Funky Town Brewing because – I'm drinking one of their beers now, and I'm going to crack open another one. We're going to talk with them when we come back right here on Hubes Views and Brews. Hello, this is Paul from Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. We are located at 1026 South State Street in historic downtown Lockport, Illinois. We are very excited to be partnering up with the Fat Mike Chicago Sports Show, as well as the 1252 brand, because we are one of the few Chicagoland breweries that embrace sports and sports culture. Come in for a fresh brewed beer made right here in Lockport while catching the game of your favorite team. Stay for the live music that we have booked every weekend. Or just come for a cozy atmosphere to enjoy a good conversation with a friend, loved one, or complete stranger. Nick and Ivy makes you feel right at home no matter what the occasion is. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook by searching for Nick and Ivy Brewing Company. Visit our website for our up-to-date tap list or to go shopping on our online store at nickivybrewing.com. That's N-I-K-I-V-Y brewing.com. Come in today for a fresh brewed beer born and raised in Lockport, Illinois. Hi, I'm Jonathan Darren, licensed real estate broker with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group in Homer Glen. Are you looking to buy or sell? Have you been disappointed in the past? The Jonathan Darren team with Cobble Banker Real Estate Group focuses on providing you with a concierge level of service during the process of buying or selling. We are a service-oriented team with a fresh and professional approach to selling real estate. Our goal is to combine knowledge, skills, and passion to exceed our clients' expectations, and most of all, we truly care. We are a knowledgeable real estate team focused on offering expertise and innovative solutions for our clients. The Jonathan Darren team has five full-service real estate brokers and a dedicated full-time marketer servicing all of Chicagoland. We will customize a detailed plan around your timeline for a sale, purchase, investment, estate, or other needs. Real estate transactions can be stressful, but don't need to be. Let us handle it for you. Visit our website, homesbyjdt.com, or call 708-308-1938 today. Expect better in real estate. Choose the Jonathan Darren team.
Hi, this is Kathy O'Connell at Coach's Corner, located at 8118 West 143rd Street in Orland Park. Our phone number is 708-364-1026. We are Orland Park's number one sports bar. Come in for our wonderful beer menu and seltzers with a fully stocked bar. Watch a game, drink a beer, and try something off our amazing menu. We have everything to choose from, nachos, potato skins, and our house-made bar chips to start off with. Then try our tacos, burgers, and one of our delicious sandwiches. And don't leave without trying our famous jumbo wings. They do not disappoint. Coach's Corner, it will sure to become your local bar. Again, we are located at 8118 West 143rd Street in Orland Park. Come see us today. Welcome back in to Hubes Views and Brews for a Monday night. Got the chance to talk with my guy, Jeff Joniak, some football talk. That is always cool. And then, you know, Mike, don't go anywhere yet. Don't you have to bring these guys up when I bring them on? Oh, yeah. yeah, don't go anywhere yet. Oh, yeah. Okay. I want to thank a couple other sponsors that we're going to have some uh, some more commercials from in a, in a little bit. Uh, Habano Cigars. Mike did a nice event with them last week. Also, Papa Joe's Pizza in Lockport, Norland Park. I stopped at Papa Joe's with Linda the other day. We had a great, great meal. Stagecoach Saloon. If you ever go to Nick and Ivy, go to the Stagecoach next door. Tremendous food. Absolutely tremendous. And also the Whistle Sports Bar and Grill 159 in Tinley Park. They're our sponsor for our studios. They helped us get this place all set up. Um, about a month or so ago, I was at Orange and Brew, and I knew this was happening because they promoted it, and so did Orange and Brew, Eric over at Orange and Brew, and the guys from Funky Town Brewing were going to be there sampling their beers, and I said, I got to be there. I got to try this because I got to try everything, but this is a different kind of brewery, and I wanted to get these guys on, so let's bring them all on, the three guys that are the guys behind um, Funky Town Brewing, Rich and Zach. And Greg, we'll get you on here. And how you guys doing tonight? Doing good, doing good. Doing good, man. Yeah, you got, you know, the beer was great. It was a great turnout at Orange and Brew that day. We had a wonderful time. You guys had a nice little spot there in the corner. And everybody I know that was tasting your beer enjoyed it. Uh, I usually only drink two beers when I go out, but you had three. So I had to try all three. You know, I just drove slow. Uh, But anyway, I live really close. I live really close, but um, I'm drinking. I drank the, um, the the hip hops and our our and brew, and we'll talk about the names of beers and you know, the whole thing you guys are doing here at Funky Town. I'm going to try the uh, gym shoe weather here. Um, what I ask you guys is, and you can ask answer or throw your answers in whenever you want. How did all three of you guys get started with this? Because it's not something that um, we see a lot. Again, I'm in the burbs. We have Charles St. Clair over at Black Horizon, but there are not a lot of other um, black breweries, not a lot of other black guys involved in brewing. How did you guys get started with this thing? Appreciate it, Fred. Um, so, I mean, we I've known these guys since, I've known Greg since fourth grade. I've known Zach since seventh grade. So we were lifelong friends before this. And, um, you know, we started drinking beer together at an, at a, at an early age. And, um, I mean, we've always, we always drank beer, right? Like we went, you know, we're in college, you drink like the cheaper stuff, the malt liquors and stuff. Sure. Graduated from college. Yep. We, uh, upgraded to the more local brands and 
we just kind of it was just something that always brought us together you know trying out these new brands different uh seeing these different labels crazy uh beer names and um we really just wanted to do something for ourselves we wanted to take a shot at entrepreneurship and it's just like what are we going to do that we enjoy doing together and you know that that we'll have fun with and like we were drinking a beer when we were kind of having the conversation it was just like a natural choice like we knew that there was a lack of uh diversity and inclusion in the industry uh, i mean we grew up in oak park mm -hmm. it's just like it's just like a topic that we can speak to like competently and coherently and like we can have fun while doing it so in 2017 uh we just made the decision to start home brewing with the goal of going pro and just kind of got after it how good or bad were the first home brews you guys were making <laughs> uh they were terrible they were terrible <laughs> like the, the first one i think was mashed just at a ridiculous temperature one came out too heavy one came out just like water the first one came out it was just like colored water so you know through mm -hmm. through those kind of like trials and stuff because we didn't we didn't when we started brewing we took a couple classes at brewing grow um in chicago so we took uh uh, brew, uh, learning how to brew one and then basically like advanced brewing. So after that, we just kind of gathered okay. up all the equipment and it was just, it was just, you know, trial and error at that point. Cause we didn't know nothing. We were just trying to just go as we are. You never, did you ever get, did you ever get frustrated or was this a goal? You said, listen, we're going to do this. We're going to make, we're going to keep going until we make some good beers. Cause we're pretty focused on doing this. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like as a group, we were discouraged at times, but we realized it's a marathon. You know, it's, it's going to take mm -hmm. time, especially just learning on our own, being in a garage. You know, Zach being the leader of the recipes, just, you know, reading up on things, YouTube and stuff, just trying to figure out what's what's happening with our beer. And then he'll come to the drawing board like, hey, I found this out. Let's try this out. And the beer just, just continues continuously just got better you know over time and you know once we had some pretty good sample like some pretty good batches we actually gave them out you know to the community to try them out and that's what really gave us like motivation because like hey we're on to something now so mm -hmm. you know when when you read your story about funky town brewing pilot project comes up and i know i've heard it from a lot of different people last week um mick dempsey from miskatonic was here and we were talking about it a little bit. I told him, I said, listen, I don't want you to tell me about Pilot Project. I said, I want these guys to tell me about P Pilot Project. What exactly is Pilot Project? Because I had never, I was usually drinking beers and it would come up and I'd say, oh, okay. And I didn't care. I didn't listen. What exactly does the Pilot Project do? Well, Pilot Project, that, that's the only true incubator in the country. So for people like us that have a great idea, but don't have the, uh, the cash to like, just like, like bootstrap this with the equipment, uh, the sales team, the distribution, Pilot Project's kind of there with, as a, with a brewery and like a brewery in a box. Like we just come with like our idea, our go-to-market strategies, and our grit, and they have all the equipment for us and the sales teams and the consulting and the PR to just kind of help get the get the word out there. So, uh, Pilot Project has been like a great partner to help us like come to market with like a lot of beers too, not just kind of like trickling in with like one beer and trying to hold your attention with that. They allowed us to kind of create our whole foundation of our identity across brands and seasonal beers. And yeah, it's just been a wild ride. They give us, they help us have like a professional presence, like a large professional presence from day one. Well, I saw that uh, pilot projects got a beer fest coming up August 14th from one to five. Um, the brewery incubator, incubator, uh, 
tasting room and cafe. You guys are going to be a part of that, no doubt, right? For sure. Yes, 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 absolutely. Yeah. And I looked, How do you know how many breweries they deal with at a certain time? Or is it is it just people that come in with good ideas, they decide to, you know, they listen to your pitch and then they go with that? How's that work? Yeah, they, they usually hold auditions like twice a year. Well, you know, COVID changed okay. everything. The pandemic slowed things up. But yeah, usually that when they have open sure. tanks, they say hold auditions and just like have people come in and like pitch their idea. Like we came in with like a like a 30 page PowerPoint uh, <laughs> with our official logo. They tried our homebrews already. Um, and we were just kind of going through like how we're going to reach people. What's our target market? What's the goal of the beers? Like what's the vibe? What is it supposed to feel like? And um, yeah. Basically, whoever's got the best idea and who they can work with, that's who they're going to choose to go in there. Is the most important thing you mentioned distribution. And I saw that you guys are in over 200 locations. That's got to be huge because, you know, I know a lot of the smaller places when they first start up and they have a brewery hopping in the truck and dropping stuff off here and there and there. So the pilot project takes care of that for you guys? Yes, they do. Yeah. Self-distribution. Self that's the beauty of it. Um, well, we work, like I said, bootstrap on, on the ground trying to get accounts. You know, they, we have the opportunity to go through pilot instead of a distributor. So it gives us more lead, more leeway and just giving us more resources, you know, just to try to get those beers, those beer deliveries out, you know, within a couple of days as opposed to waiting on a distributor to come through and tell you what you need to buy. So it's, it's more of a personable relationship. When you talk to these customers, yeah, just to let them know, hey, whenever you need, you can call us right now, and there's a high chance you can get that delivery the next day. So, very, sure. very, that's great. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, there we all a, work. There was eight. No, I was just saying we all work our regular jobs, so we're still working our nine to five. So we wouldn't be able to still work our nine to five and still distribute to all the locations that we have. Somebody's gonna get left out. So that another whole thing about having a brewery in a box and the stuff the pilot's able to kind of just help you out with. Um, yeah, it, it's it's amazing. Yeah, that's absolutely wonderful. When I saw you guys at uh, Orange and Brew, I don't know if I use this line, but I use it quite often because I'm the whitest 65 year old you're ever going to meet. OK, <laughs> so hip hop is not on my playlist. Okay, but that's just me. I'm stuck in the 70s. Okay, but beer beer is on my playlist. And um, to me, it doesn't it might be hard for me to remember the name, but the beer is good. So that's all that matters. But you guys are trying to focus on the black community and also women. It said I was reading an article. How's how's that work? How do you try to appeal to women in the beer industry? It's, it's funny. Um, they've just kind of been overlooked. Once you, uh, like the women and like the black people we meet and, uh, you know, they're all, uh, many of them are novice or beginning beer drinkers, but like, they're very curious. They're curious about the labels. They're curious about the, the, um, the names they They wonder why we're so into beer. And, um, through right. that, like, you know, just ask them like, what, what do you not, what do you like about this beer? What do you not like about it? What, uh, ar aromas do you like? What do you appreciate? And like with that, uh, we got some feedback, like a lot of those beginner beer drinkers love those big citrus notes that the IPAs have, but they hate that uh, bitterness and astringency mm -hmm. on the back end. So we just tried to brew like a malt forward pale ale that we feel that will be like a great introductory beer for a lot of non-beer drinkers so we can develop that palate and like get them into the craft beer market. And then, yeah, with the labels and the beers, 
beer names. We just try to have fun with it and make sure it's just like just fun, not like overly masculine, I guess. But that's really <laughs> it. Like, there's a very curious market well, out there. Okay, who are the who are the guys? And I know I'm an idiot. I should know who are the guys <laughs> on the cover of the hip hops and our our brew. <laughs> That's that's the that's the Lauren Hill. Okay, well, I wasn't sure if it was. I wasn't okay. I wasn't sure if it was three indivi- separate individuals or what. Because the guy in the right looks a little bit like uh, oh, <laughs> ice. Not iced tea. I don't know. But <laughs> but I looked at it, and the guy in the middle, the guy in the middle, to me like Jimi Hendrix. I know that ain't no Jimi Hendrix. So I had to ask. That's one of the top three wrong answers we get. Jimi Hendrix. Is it? Okay. Yeah. It does. It looks a lot like. Yeah. And then for a minute there, I thought it was you three. And I said, well, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. So, but you mentioned, is that you mentioned that you guys are both doing your nine to, you're all doing your nine to five still. Mm-hmm. So what's the next step? I mean, when you're working with the pilot project, can you work there for, for a long time? Do you work for a certain period of time? Do you have like a contract with them? And at a certain period of time, you have to figure out where to go next. How's that work? Yeah, we, we're, we're pilot project. Uh, we have a deal with them for a year, um, you know, and that's the time that we have to kind of build our valuation up in order to kind of get our tap room. Um, so that's why it's like huge to work with them because then we can kind of focus on different areas in which we need to, in order to kind of make that next step and not having to focus on stuff that, um, I don't want to necessarily say is minute, but things that don't take priority over what the next step is. Um, and so, yeah, we're there for this whole entire year. Um, just building that valuation up, making, making the case that, Hey, yeah, let's go to the bank or let's go to investors and, and say, Hey, we have this plan. We have this business. We have this idea. This is where we plan on taking it. This is where it can go. And, um, it gives us that ability to do so. So, yeah, um, you know, just hanging with pilot and and going through this, uh, kind of helps with all that too. So yeah, next up is definitely a tap room, definitely our home place. Um, somewhere where like when you see us, you see funky town. So we want to make sure that when you come into our spot, we want to make sure it's dope enough. So when you come in, you know exactly what funky town is about. You can leave talking about, yo, I've been to funky town. You guys got to go, blah, blah, blah. So we want to make it right. So each step that we do is a calculated step. Um, we, we think through it the whole way. Um, and we want to be, our whole goal is being smart with every decision that we make. Um, so as long as it makes sense and we're being smart and we, we get together and, and focus on what we need to focus on. Yeah. But tap room definitely, definitely is in the, uh, in the plans. Because there are a few, very few, uh, black breweries in this area. Have you found that you've been able to find some people that are interested? I mean, heck, the first thing I'm thinking is Zach Levine just signed a five-year deal. If he likes beer, maybe you can get him involved in this, but you know, there's a lot of people in the area and, um, I think it's a great idea. Are, are you looking at Oak Park or just somewhere around there? I, I think we're I think we want to focus on the city first, but like I, I know okay. Gotta, okay. the city's a little different. Got to meet the aldermen and all yeah. types of stuff like that. There's politics involved, <laughs> sure. But um, yeah, I mean, I, there's a there's a market out there for we're we're heavy on like event activations and like uh, we did a we okay. did a real cool event with Time Out Market earlier this year and. With those events, there's so many like like black people that come up to us that are home brewers. And it's just like 
there's a community out there and they're, they're not connected in any way. And uh, maybe we sure. can be like that brewery that connects all of these, like these home brewers that are just kind of like sparse and out there. I was looking here and looking at one of the articles. It said you guys went to the uh, Pittsburgh Fresh Fest, which is now called Barrel and Flow. And I know that Charles from Black Horizon, a lot of people from the Chicago breweries went out there. That had to be cool. Did you, were you able to make some contacts out there and learn some things about how some of those other breweries worked? Absolutely. No. Absolutely. They, I mean, they taught us a lot um, because uh, a lot of them are in the same positions. They don't just have the capital at the beginning, so they have to bootstrap it some sure. way or contract to uh, some people. Uh, they had different go-to market strategies, but like everybody there is just like really transparent. They had uh, you know, some uh, panel discussions where they kind of just like explain their journey and we saw the similarities with our with our journey and theirs and just seeing them at this festival like that knew that we, we were on to something we have a real shot in doing that uh chicago's a huge probably the best beer market right now like let's just uh yeah. go at it with integrity and make some quality beer and i think we got a chance what so what you guys were talking about as you were growing up you're drinking beer what were you drinking oh man <laughs> um well, in college, I remember college, you know, a lot of high lives, butt eyes. Uh, was a hurricane? Mickey's. PBR. Okay, Mickey's. Okay. Two Eleven Steel Reserve. I was one of the only guys. I was only. Yeah, I was one of the only guys in the Western Burbs that gave Schlitz Malt Liquor a try because I used to like the bull running through the damn wall. I know the commercials they did back when you guys were kids, and I said this stuff is like drinking oil but i go you know what it gets you where you want to go and i thought it was awesome i was one of the only guys saying why are you drinking that stuff i said you don't need to drink that many because <laughs> i was a i was a strohs guy i was a strohs guy back in the day i just found out that michigan started they're making strohs again and that mm. was a beer that was in the chicago area for a long time and uh yeah that was what i was drinking and what when you guys talk about the beers you like what is you know you're making I got here. I got the uh, the Belgian pale ale, and I've got the um, oh, turn around the American pale ale. What do you guys like to drink right now? Besides your own beer, I mean, I'm I'm just talking style. Mm. That's a good one. I've I've been on like a German beer kick lately, just kind of diving through those styles, the different Hefeweizens and Keller beers yep. and. <laughs> Schwarz beers and all that stuff. Like I, I, I like how you know the American beer. The range is just like insane. <laughs> um, right. But they're like yeah. you know, very strict about how they want to uh, deliver their styles. And yeah, I've I've kind of been jumping into the German beers recently. Hmm. I've been dabbing in. in... Greg, how about you? Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, um, I've no, been dabbling, ahead. dabbling in. Um, as of late, like, cause it's seasons. It's sometimes seasons for me. So like, I I go uh, pale ale for a couple months, or some sort of stout in the winter months for a couple months, or something like that. But right now, um, I'm having an infatuation with a lot of pilsners. So I'm trying a lot. Of, it might be because it's been really hot over the last week or two. Mm. Um, and I'm trying to stay sure. upright. Uh, but yeah, Pilsner's has been <laughs> Pilsner's has been the one for me uh, over the last probably like two three weeks. Yeah, for me, you, I, for me, depending on the season, like you said, you know, I, I'm dabbling into some some lagers right now. 
um, some APAs, you know, from other other breweries. There are some good ones out there uh, this past Saturday. Yeah. The hazy, hazy days of Summerfest. Um, and then also, you know, I, I tend to like an amber, you know, in the fall. I'm an amber guy for sure, but there's not too many on the market. So um, that's the only thing that hurts. But we take we take care of that aspect. <laughs> yeah people people have a tendency to ask me they go what's your favorite beer i said i'll taste it and if it's good that's my favorite until i have another one <laughs> you know i have a problem drinking all this stuff and and the one thing is funny too because there's untapped is out there and people say you want out untapped i said yeah but i've never given anybody less than a three and a half because everybody that makes beer thinks they're, what they're making is good if i taste it i don't like it i just maybe don't don't put it up but there's no reason for me to rip somebody who's who's got a beer out there. And um, the nice thing is your beers are great. I think all the people at Orange and Brew loved all of these things. I'm sure they can't wait for, for more. I know Eric's done a great job with a lot of the local breweries. Uh, do you guys have another event or, event or two coming up at all in the near future? Next next event coming up, we'll, uh, we'll actually be heading down to uh, Pittsburgh for Barrel and Flow. Okay. And then uh we got the you know the pilot project fest happening that same weekend. And then we'll be at the uh Oak Park Micro Brew Review. So those are the uh cool those are the next events we're gonna pop out at. Uh-oh. Yeah, the Oak Park <laughs> is one I haven't gotten to. What's the trophy for? Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, we just we were at the uh Hazy Days of Summer Festival uh this past weekend held by the Chicago Beer Society, and there are there were four categories. Um, a, <laughs> a hazy beer, you know, uh, like IPAs and all that, uh, the traditional hazy category, like Hefeweizens and Wits. They had a haze free yep. category and uh experimental category. And, uh, yeah, we, we won, uh, the, you know, the guest vote on the beers and we won the haze free category for hip hops and R and brew this past Saturday. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That's very, very cool. It's great Amen. seeing you guys getting started. I'm going to keep, keep pumping it out there because, all your beers have been wonderful. I cannot wait to try more stuff in the future. Best of luck. I'm glad I was able to get all three of you guys on. It was fun meeting at uh, Orange and Brew. Uh, have a great night, and uh, hopefully we'll see you guys soon in one of those festivals. There's enough of them out there. I should be able to see you. I don't think I'm going to make Pittsburgh, but I may make the pilot project. Sounds like a lot of fun. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Hey, Fred, yeah, I missed every good one. I miss Jeff Joniak. I <laughs> yeah, he's. He's a he's a he's a guy. Uh, I've known him forever, and uh, hopefully the Bears have some fun games to talk about this year. Yeah, Greg, Zach, Rich, thanks a lot. Have a great night. Some great work too. I have. Fuzzy football, are you ready, brother? Real football action on a glossy game surface, play shuffle style. Slide a shuffle puck at pass or run targets 
and a free mobile app keeps track of every game detail. Easy to learn, but this game of skill is difficult to master. Take care of the ball, or turnovers will kill your drive. The game is guaranteed to get your competitive fire burning, and it's perfectly sized to take anywhere. The park, a barbecue, your next tailgate, or fun at home on game night. Fozzie football is simply the best, most realistic, and competitive game of football available anywhere. Add defense when your skill improves, and take the game to the next level. The perfect mix of fast action and real football drama where a last-second Hail Mary can break hearts or make champions. Two pieces of leftover pizza, that's right. Megaplex Sports Complex is a 78,000-square-foot center filled with hardwood and turf. They have baseball rentals with batting cages, softball, soccer, lacrosse, gymnastics, cheerleading, cornhole, basketball, volleyball, and pickleball. It also features a bar and grill with the best pizza and beef sandwiches around. They cater to events such as birthdays, graduations, corporate parties, as well as memorabilia shows. Check them out at Megaplex Sports Complex, 15301 South Bell Road in Homer Glen, 708-966-4210. Hey, thanks for uh, jumping on in today. Thanks for watching. Jeff Joniak and Funky Town Brewing, the uh, the guys that joined me today. And don't forget, if you miss anything, if you miss any of the shows, you can always find them at um, usually on our websites or our uh, Facebook pages. You can also find them on YouTube. You can find them on Twitch. And you can always hear the audio on Spotify, uh, usually on Tuesdays, the day after the shows are done. Um, we got a special show next week. I'm not going to be doing a show on Monday. But I'll be doing a show on Tuesday, and there'll be three other people here. Fat Mike will be here. Also, Carmen DeFalco from ESPN 1000 will be here. And Mark Greco, one of the funniest uh, guys you ever sit and talk with. And uh, since there is no, uh, there's no filter on Mark, we should have a fun time next week here on the show. And we'll have a lot of fun. Mark and Carmen coming out, out to our studios here in downtown Lockport. Cannot wait. Should be a very fun day. Good thing we didn't do it on Monday because it's tough to park down here when they got the car show going on. And uh, But it cannot wait. It'll be a very, very fun time. And by then, we'll see because next Tuesday is the trade deadline in Major League Baseball. We'll see if the Cubs get rid of Contreras. We'll see if the White Sox do anything to improve themselves. We'll see if Juan Soto gets traded anywhere. So we'll know that when we go on next week, Tuesday at 7 o'clock. So thanks to Mike, as always, for putting everything together. Thanks to all of our sponsors. Thanks to Jeff Joniak again. Bears training camp starts tomorrow. No Roquan Smith, no Jaquan Brister. Um, two of their keys on defense. And how is Brister a key? Because he's a rookie. Well, they only have one other safety. And I didn't have a chance to bring this up, but Eddie Jackson, by Pro Football Focus, was listed as the 65th best safety in the NFL. There are 32 teams, two safeties. That means there are 64 starting safeties. And Eddie Jackson was rated 65th. So it just shows you where the Bears are in their situation at the safety position. So hopefully Matt Eberflus can figure some things out, make it an interesting season. And also, don't forget, go to 1252. Go to see us on uh, Twitter and on Facebook. You can check out our big event coming up on opening day, September 11th. The Bears taking on the Niners. We've got a nice party for you, 40 bucks, and uh, you get a couple of raffle tickets. 
you get a couple of beers from Nick and Ivy, and uh, we'll have a lot of fun. We'll be doing a pregame show there at 1030 uh, from Nick and Ivy. So check it out. Check out on all of our um, all of our social media. We'll be promoting the heck out of it. So hope to see a lot of people then. And if not, we hope to see you here next week, next Tuesday, August 2nd, as we bring in Carmen DeFalco and Marcian Greco. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, whatever it may be. Um, Fred Hubner with you. Hubes Views and Brews from 1252 Sports. Thank you for listening to 1252 Sports Chicago.